after having read the first reading especially, just recall it, the, the description that uh, comes to us from Romans is a way of behaving, okay? And it doesn't apply to the Romans, it applies to all of us, and it's a very um, easy, easily understood description of what a Christian is, okay? And this could apply to anybody. It doesn't matter Christianity, but it's coming from Jesus, and it's coming to, to us from Jesus through Paul's letter to the Romans, so we can apply it to ourselves. However, today, what I thought we'd do is focus on Mary as an example of a Christian, because she was the first Christian. Okay? She's the, one, the first one who believed in Jesus, so she takes him seriously, and she's the mother. And just a little side note, we're just talking, I was just talking to my sister-in-law in, in, back in Jersey, and she's a mother, um, an Italian mother, that, that means something here. Um, Italian mothers sort of grip onto their kids and never let them go. Uh, it, it, and if she could, she would have moved in with my nephew and his wife, if she could, but she can't, so she didn't, so okay. But my, my uh, sister-in-law is a very, very fine example of an Italian mother. They cook, they teach, they want to teach the grandchildren to, to, to cook and, and eat what they eat. Um, yesterday she put on her post, a greatest joy a grandmother can have is having one of her grandchildren say, I love you, nanny. So that's, that's her all the way. So today when I listen to the scriptures, and, and especially the actions of Romans, I say, you know, that's, that's such a great example for a, a person, not only a mother, a person, who a man, woman, child, doesn't really matter. Recently, there was a piece on the, on the radio about two brothers in Italy who refused to leave their mother's house. One was in his 30s, one was in his 40s. Now, in Italy, there's a phrase for those, and it only applies to males, okay? Mamarella. If you broke it down, it would be a little mommy, little mommy's boy, okay? One was in his 30s, one was in his 40s. And it's an unusual case. So the woman couldn't get them out of the house, like, to be on their own and get a job and work and meet people. She couldn't get them out. So she sued. She went to the court, and the court threw them out, got them out of the house. Okay. No Italian mother wants to see that happen to their children being thrown out. And my, my sister-in-law's response is, I would never do that. No matter how bad my children might be, I would never have the heart to throw them out. And she really means that. She's connected. But... That attitude is also, I think, applicable to Mary, mother of Jesus. I mean, he drove her crazy. From the moment he was conceived, he was a problem. I mean, she was labeled, you know, Italians would say she was probably labeled as being a Bhutana because she had a child out of wedlock, you know? So they probably accused her of that. And theoretically, she could have been brought out of the city and stoned to death because she was found with child unmarried. God fixes that, Joseph meets her, they get married, and so on. But from the moment she has this kid, he's a problem. We hear some of it, and, and Luke is, is good for reporting 
um, the, the, the inner stories of Jesus' life, especially with Mary. Our theory is Luke was a historian and he somehow got close to Mary and she shared with him all the intimate stories of growing up in that household. Any beautiful family story you know of Jesus, Luke reported it to us. Most probably came from Luke. All the stories of what goes on inside the house. So he's 12 years old. His father and mother take him to the Holy Land, to, to Jerusalem, to the temple, etc. for his, maybe his bar mitzvah, who knows what. And he gets lost coming back. He was a little troublemaker. You know, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. They travel in caravans, as you know. They travel in caravan going to the temple. They would have traveled in that same caravan going home after the temple visit. But Jesus can't be found. So they search, they search, they search. And, and you know, they found him in the temple talking to the priests and basically teaching them and teaches all of us in that action um, Mary says, hey, where have you been? We've been searching for you. Didn't you know we, we, we were traveling as a clan? As, we had to go back to uh, uh, Nazareth, you know, and where were you? I was in my father's house. I mean, an Italian mother would have given a whack up his head. But this is Mary, so we don't know what happened. <clears throat> I had to be in my father's house. What do you mean by that? And he explains it. He had to be in his father's house doing his father's work. And in that case, we presume the dialogue between him and the priests was his father's work, and he was teaching them. Who knows what a precocious kid he was around 12 to be able to teach the, the, the hierarchy of, of the temple. So the relationship between Mary and Jesus on some level, it's very unusual, okay? Not a typical child, not a typical virgin mother, okay? Not typical at all. But when we look at the scriptures, I guess our task should be to apply them to ourselves. Always, I think. What is Jesus saying to me? What is the letter Romans saying to me, okay? That's one of our spiritual uh, formats, how we can apply the words. But let's apply them to Mary, Her ministry, if you are a minister, minister. If you are a teacher, teach. If you're one who exhorts, exhort. If you're one who, one who contributes, be generous. If you are taking care of others, be diligent. If you're being merciful, do it with cheerfulness. Take all of that, and there's, there's many more characteristics in that letter. Apply that to Mary, because I think, I shouldn't say I think, we know that Jesus had an intention as he was on the cross when he gave Mary to John to take care of and John to Mary. This is your mother, this is your son. I mean, you would think he would have had other things to worry about as he hung on the cross dying, bleeding to death. But he didn't. He thought about the two of them as, I think, as a universal example of him giving his own mother to us. 
and us being John, well, male or female, doesn't matter, being the John symbol, taking her into our home and taking her into our home as a role model, as a role model of diligence, goodness, generosity, intelligence. Yes, she was a Jewish mother, first century. Yes, she was subject to all of the, the social norms of, of the period. But from God's perspective, she was also a very special woman. We say, hail full of grace. When the messenger came to her, he's saying, girl, you're hot stuff. I mean, you are very special. He didn't say, you know, he didn't say, the, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, he didn't recite the rosary like you do before Mass. Okay. He was giving her an exhortation. He was greeting her from God. And he says to this woman, who maybe has a faint recollection of who she was called to be, maybe growing up, and maybe when, when the scriptures were read to her, she maybe identified with them. We don't know. But God made that very clear in the angel's greeting. Hail, we, we say hail, but it, it's ave, it's salute, it's greetings, it's all the words that anyone polite would use to greet another person. But to say you are full of grace, God's grace, you are full of the ability to teach, to exhort, to be generous, to be diligent. See, God's grace given to Mary is remarkable. And if you look forward from the Annunciation to the cross, or even to, to the Pentecost, they have that beautiful painting behind us of Pentecost, she acted with God's grace. She acted with God's guidance. What's God's grace? Uh, God's breath, God's uh, volition, God's presence. She acted as if she really believed in it. I say that because we all believe, but she really believed in it. She was tested, we know, left and right. But she believed in God's grace. And again, what was God's grace? We, we're using Romans as a, as, a, as a map to get one little indication of what God's grace is in every person. And it's the ability or the grace or the energy or the gift of being diligent, ministering, teaching, being generous, being cheerful. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to Mary that weren't announced by, Rome, by Paul until after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. But we're looking back at Mary, she exemplified these gifts. And by implication, so should we. Because she's our mother. And she's not going to throw us out, and she's not going to call the courts and to get us out of her house. She wants us in her house. And where's her house? <clears throat> Wherever you are. Wherever we are gathering to pray, yes, absolutely. But in your own homes, on the bus, on the street, doesn't matter. Our presence and awareness of God is with us, reminds us of God's grace in Mary. We have that same call. We have that same grace. We probably don't use it as much as we could or should. I, I don't know what 
our reaction, any of our reactions would have been if we saw our son carrying a cross to Calvary? I don't know. I mean, artists, filmmakers, poets have given their example or idea of what that would have been for Mary to experience Jesus dying and suffering. But that's an artistic version. The scriptures give us the authentic version. She stayed by his side. Come hell or high water, uh, Roman soldiers or, or Jewish leaders, she stayed by Jesus' side. And she wasn't going to let him go. And that rapport is so important for us because you don't let Jesus go, he's not going to let you go. We use Mary as our role model or our mother. We're hanging on to Jesus. We're connecting with Jesus. And as long as we have faith in Jesus, hey, I used to say, we were two boys growing up. I used to say, uh, I'm, I'm one of two only children. So you got to think that through from an Italian mother's perspective. The sun rose on her children. They were never wrong. I was never wrong at home. No matter what I did in school, and I was a terror sometimes at school, she, I would come home and she'd, you know, she'd say, you can't do that at school. Now I have to go tell the nuns how to handle you. And she did. You know, she, I mean, hey, you know, oh, I get, well, we have time. I, where are you going to go? Right? You're here. Um, I'll give you a good example of my mother and, and how she took care of her Italian son. <clears throat> and I'm sure other mothers and other nationalities would do the same thing. So one day I was being extra ornery at school and I was being held back. And this particular classroom was like this. There was a door at the beginning and a door at the end. And my mother would meet me at the, at the door, okay, downstairs on, on the sidewalk level. And then we go across the street and have coffee with my grandmother, lived right across the street from the school. I didn't come down. Five minutes, 10 minutes late, I was late. So she starts walking up the stairs, in the back stairs of that classroom, and we're up here, Sister Pasqualina, I never forget her name, Sister Pasqualina and I are up here, we're the only two people in the classroom. And she's saying, Skirty, did you do, X? I forgot even what the crime was. <clears throat> and of course, with an angelic face, I said, no, absolutely not. Was I guilty? Absolutely guilty. Would I admit it to her? No, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't know why. I do know why, because I was ornery. Okay, so she's saying, you deny it once more, and I'm going to slap your face. Oh, my goodness. We're lucky there was no earthquake. As she's saying that, and the hand is going toward my face. So my mother heard the threat. The hand is going toward my face, and she heard this. She said, I can't repeat what my mother said because we are in church. You, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm going to pull that veil off your head and beat the crap out of you for touching my son. That's not, not bad words, right? So Sister Pasquina runs out of the school. My mother runs after her, and I ran after my mother because she's going to beat the nun up. See, that's what Italian mothers do. They're a little nutsy, but that's all right. We love them the way they are. So... She chases Pasqualina around the school, and Pasqualina goes into the convent. She has a key. She gets into the convent door. My mother is at the convent door. Now, my mother was well-known in the, in the parish, and, and she did a lot of volunteer work. And she's pounding on the convent door, and Sister Grace comes out, the superior. She says, Rose, what's the matter? 
She says, bring Pasqualina out here. I'm going to rip the veil off her head and beat her up. Much more colorful language. And she said, Rose, why rip the veil off the head? She said, well, you've got to respect the veil. <laughs> but not the woman under the veil. Okay, I gave you an extreme example of some extreme behaviors of someone, Italian mothers. But that's dedication. Okay, I'm using Mary and Jesus as, as our role models. Mary was absolutely dedicated to Jesus. No, she didn't fight the Pharisees. No, she didn't fight the Romans. No, she didn't threaten them. But she stayed by her son in all of his agony. And I'm saying this for us because Mary's our role model. Mary's our buddy. Mary's our mother. And she wants all of us to stay by her son as she did. Now, there's maybe 50 people here in church. It's 50 stories, 50 stories at least right here of reasons we would disconnect with Jesus, reasons we would deny him, or maybe people in our families have. But our role model is Mary. And she's telling us today through the scriptures and, and through our reflection on the scriptures, stick to Jesus. Don't let him go. He's with you. He knows what's going on inside your heads and your hearts and your families. Stick to Jesus. And as you're sticking to Jesus, act with diligence, act with generosity, act with cheerfulness. Mary's our mother. And boy, she loves us. And she wants us to love her dear son.